Shabbat Shalom. Well, this is the season, right? And Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen. So we're going to talk about the day of the shofar part two. This is uh, in follow-up to a couple of weeks ago as we jumped into this uh, teaching on the fall holy days. So this is the day of the shofar part two. Keep in mind, all of the holy days, all of the annual holy days find their meaning and are fulfilled in Jesus. Their initial fulfillments are inaugurated with his first arrival. Their consummation will happen in his future return to our world. Rosh Hashanah, uh, or, or the Hebrew Yom Teruah, was initially fulfilled the day that Jesus, the babe born in Bethlehem, became King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That was the initial fulfillment of the day of the sounding of the shofars. It will be consummated when Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, returns to our world. So today we're going to begin to explore the consummation of the holy day, the blowing of the shofars. So, it's a little bit complicated because the name has been changed from Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing, to Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah sometimes will take several different themes that are not necessarily primary to this theme of Yom Teruah. But the context of Yom Teruah is the blowing of the shofar. It's about the ram's horn. It can include trumpets, of course, but primarily the ram's horn. It's the day of blowing the ram's horn and or trumpets. Every holy day has its symbol. The day of the blowing of the shofar, well, that's easy. It's the shofar. The shofar is the symbol. It's all about symbols. This is the symbol of this holy day. And it's the blowing of this trumpet or this shofar that engages us, gets our attention, if you will. Isn't that right? It's an intention getter. Man, I'll tell you, we used to have people that would bring their shofars and blow them in the service during the worship that's going on. Yeah, we shut that thing down. I mean, there was nothing worse than you, you're, you're just standing there in heavenly bliss, just caught up, worshiping, focused on the Lord, right? And someone right behind you screeches a note out that, man, makes your hair stand on end, right? I had so many people complaining. They're saying, good grief, that just about scared the daylights out of me, you know? Ruined my worship, you know? So we finally had to say, look, let's not blow the trumpets a couple inches away from someone's head while they're worshiping. But... It is an attention getter. It's designed to get your attention. When the trumpets blow, everyone turns around and they say, what? What's going on? So the Father has this day called the blowing of the shofars to get everyone's attention. And down through history, of course, the meaning of this day is revealed. It's centered around the coronation of the king. It's when the shofars are blown in great celebration of the coronation of a king. So that when a king and a monarchs usually put their sons on the throne, right? So in Psalm chapter 2, we have the father saying, I am giving my throne to my son. He gives it to the Messiah who is his son. He gives him the power, the authority, the glory to rule and reign on his behalf. He's received a scepter to rule and reign. A scepter is a symbol of authority, authority to rule and reign. And that was given to the Messiah. 
so that in Jesus we have the fullness of what this day marks, the coronation of God as king. In fact, within Judaism today, as represented in the Orthodox branch, we looked at this a while back, they say the fundamental theme of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, is the coronation of God as king over us. It is, quote, a coronation, or I'm sorry, it is, um, this is the quote from Chabad, a coronation is a solemn and awe-inspiring ceremony and the holy trembling in every Jew's heart at the onset of the days of awe. And it goes far beyond fear of punishment. The specific term refers to the awe of God's grandeur, a fear stemming from each Jew's contemplation of his personal role in the king's coronation. In Judaism, God is king over all. In Judaism, the coronation of God as king over all is to be engaged in every individual's heart. Everyone has a responsibility to bring glory and honor to the coronation of God as king, to stand and give him honor as king of kings and lord of lords. Now, in Messianic Judaism, the Judaism of Messiah, it's interesting to note that Psalm 2 says that the father who is king over all is going to give his kingdom to his son. And we have Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, basically saying that in his death and resurrection and ascension into heaven, he fulfilled Psalm 2 and became King of kings and Lord of lords. The babe born in Bethlehem, who would have guessed, would become King of kings and Lord of lords over everything in heaven and on earth. And in that, in that, the Gentiles too are welcomed to celebrate the coronation of the king. He's not just king of the Jews. He's king of everyone. So this engages all of our hearts. It's the good news of the gospel that in Christ Jesus, we have the rule and reign of God, the compassionate rule and reign of God over our lives. So it engages all of us, not just the Jews. We join them in this great celebration. And in Messiah, it is initially fulfilled. The consummation, of course, is in his return. Between now and then, especially during this season, we have the big question to ask ourselves. What are we doing to engage our hearts in the honor of the coronation of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? We're going to get down to that in a moment. We'll talk more about that. But right now, I want to talk about the blowing of the shofar and the return of our king. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, and, and let me tell you, there are so many verses that are tied into this. We're just going to look at several aspects of how Jesus is fulfilling this day. But there's much more than this. We just don't have time. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. Now, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers or uh, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So what's he talking about? Those who are asleep. I mean, is he talking about 
people that are asleep or what, right? No, Jesus is using this in reference to those who have died. He talks of death as a type of sleep. Has anyone ever been to an open casket funeral where you walk up and you get to stand before the body, you know, within one foot of the body, right? What do those bodies look like they're doing? I mean, it looks like the person is at rest. The person is peacefully sleeping. I mean, I mean, there was times where, you know, when I was a young kid, I, I, would, I would be, you know, my dad would be like taking a nap. I'd be looking at my dad and I'm thinking to myself, is he dead? <laughs> you know, because you know, he's just per- perfectly still, mouth hanging open. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and God for- forbid you wake him up because if he's not dead, he's going to be mad. So you can't like try to, ver- but you know, there was times where I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you know, his dad dead, you know, even later in life, you know, I, I mean, he got to that place where he was old enough that uh, he would, he would actually lose consciousness at different times. And we thought, you know, he's, he's passed away only, only to find out that no, he's still with us. He woke up. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I don't have time to finish the sermon now because I got to tell stories. <laughs> my, my, my dad had several, several dry runs, you know, where they called 911, come revive him, take him to the hospital, get him back out. He'd be okay for a while. And then over, we, we played that over and over. And we thought for sure, you know, in fact, in fact, you know, the phone would call and I'd think, oh, you know, he's finally passed away, you know. And, uh, and, and so we, you know, we kind of had that happen for a while. So my mom calls me one morning and she says, uh, Mark, you need to come over. She says, I think, I think your father has passed away. And I said, well, are, are you sure? And she says, well, he's been unconscious for about six hours and I can't wake him up and there's no response. And I, I think he's, I think he's finally passed. And she says, I want you to come over before we call, um, you know, the, um, health services to come and verify that. And so I went over there and sure enough, he was just unresponsive. I, I could not tell if he was breathing. I mean, he was, you know, I thought he, he has passed away. And so I told my mom, I said, well, I, I think he's passed, but let's, let's call the other siblings and, um, and try to get them over here, and then we'll, we'll you know, uh, call in the emergency services. So I thought to myself, you know, we're, we're going to go upstairs. We're going to make several calls. We're going to wait for a while. So I thought to myself, you know, I want to I just put some music on for my dad. You know, in case he's lingering or in case the soul or the spirit is lingering or whatever. You know, so I put it on my dad's all-time favorite playlist, bar none, the sound of music. He was Catholic, and that's a great Catholic uh, film, you know, kind of a uh, epic Catholic film. So uh, I got Julie Andrews on there. She's, you know, singing, uh, the hills are alive. And, uh, you know, I just thought, man, he'll love that. So I got that on. It's playing in the room. We go upstairs. I make some calls. We're hanging around. About 45 minutes later, you know, and I got it on a loop. About 45 minutes later, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to go check on dad, you know. So I go to check on my father. He's laying in bed. His eyes are closed. And he's conducting. (laughs) We used to call him the conductor because he thought he could conduct symphonies. But he's down there. And I could not believe it. I just couldn't believe it. So I'm like, dad, dad. But he's still not responding. He's just doing this. He won't stop. He won't open his eyes. I'm thinking, what? So I ran upstairs and I said, I said, he's, he's with us. He, he's back. You know, she says, no, I said, yeah, Julie Andrews. She brought him back from the dead. It's a miracle, you know? 
We went downstairs, and of course his hands were down. He was no longer conducting. He was just like, I thought, oh no, you know, did I dream that or what, you know? So my mom goes in, we're standing there, and she's uh, standing at her side, and she's saying, Mike, Mike, can you hear us? Mike, can you hear us? She goes, are you with us? Mike. And all of a sudden, his eyes open up, he pulls his, his legs up to his chest, his knees, you know, up to his chest, and he kicks the covers off with one big kick, and he goes, I'm hungry, what's for lunch? Yes, like, you know, like dead people, that's what they do when they come back to life. Remember, Jesus says, go get her some food, you know. I I guess you're really hungry when you come back from the dead, I don't know. Now, I said all that to say this. Death is like a sleep. It looks like they're sleeping. That's why the ancient world, and even us today, we, we refer to that as, you know, a sleep. Because they appear to be sleeping. It's phenomenology where you describe something based on how it appears, not on what it actually is. We do that with sunrise, sunset. There's no sunrise. There's no such thing as a sunrise or a sunset. It's how it appears, and so we refer to it like that. Death was considered a sleep because death is only temporary. See, everyone wakes up from sleep. Everyone will wake up from death because the first death is like a sleep, and everyone will rise again. Some to indescribable joy, and others to terror and torment, to damnation itself. And there's something greater than that that's coming. It's the second death. The second death is never referred to as a sleep. And the reason is, is no one comes back from the second death. It's permanent. It's irreversible. It is annihilation in the lake of fire where both the body and the soul perish or destroyed or annihilated. Now, coming back to this idea of the first death, we are all separated in death from those who are alive on the earth. Ever lose a loved one? Nah, bad, that hurts. That loss, the disconnect, no longer being able to talk or share, no longer able to bring closure to things that were not addressed. We all know what that's like. Jesus here is saying that our loss of loved ones is not without hope. That we don't grieve like those that have no hope. We grieve, it hurts, but we know this, that in Christ, we will be reunited with our loved ones. That's the hope that we have in Messiah. So Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren or sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so with him God will also bring those who have fallen asleep in Yeshua. How's he going to bring with him all those who have fallen asleep if they're here in their graves? What does that mean he's going to bring with them? Aren't they here in the grave? No, their bodies are. The, The body goes to the grave. We put people in the earth. Their spirit leaves them at death and goes into Abraham's bosom, 
wherever that is in the heavenlies. You know, it is in the heavens, in the presence of God. And God here is saying that he's going to bring with Jesus all of those departed spirits. So Jesus, on his way back to our world, will pick up those departed spirits and bring them with him. They will come and return with him. And oh, happy day for the believers. Why? It's going to be the biggest reunion of all. Aren't, aren't reunions a blast? Seeing people that you haven't seen for such a long time. You know, and you're always saying in the back of your head, man, they look so old. And that's what they're saying about you, right? But it's so fun, right? The difference is, is we're going to be reunited. And we're all going to be saying in the back of our heads, man, they look so young. Because we'll be given a makeover. We're going to be glamorized and immortalized. It's going to be the best day. It's going to be, it's going to be the number one single most impactful day in human history. And that day will pale in significance to what's coming after that. Oh, oh, happy day, right? It's in that day that our tears will be wiped away as we embrace the loved ones we lost. In Yeshua, we shall live again. We have a forever life. We get to participate in a perfected new heavens and new earth. Can't wait to get there. That's what the fall holy days prefigure and reveal. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 For we tell you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way precede those who are asleep, those who are dead. The dead will rise first. They will greet him first, and then we will follow. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the blast of God's shofar. There's your connecting point again. There's your hyperlink to the holy day called the blowing of the shofars. It's with the loud blast of God's shofar that the return of Jesus is announced. And it's that blast that awakens all of the dead who rise. With the blast of God's shofar, and the dead in Messiah shall first rise. Think about that, about that for a moment. We blow these trumpets. It's so fun. How many people went to the park? See all the kids up there? They're blowing their shofars. Everyone's blowing theirs. You know, it's just like crazy noise. Crazy. Can you imagine? in the return of Jesus, the consummation of the day of blowing, a day in which a trumpet will be heard, the very trumpet of God that trumps every other trump, no pun intended, will be heard around the globe. Every living thing, all of the animals eating in the fields will, will stand to attention and look. We all will, will stop what we're doing. Every human being is going to say, what's that? when God blows that trumpet. And you know why he's blowing that? Because that's what you do for a king that has come to visit. And the king of kings and the Lord of lords 
will come. Being announced by the chauffeur of God himself. Got so proud of his son. God is so proud of his son. He's going to blow that trumpet like no one's ever blown before. Because that's his son. That's our king. And he's coming again. And it's in that second coming that this day will find his fullness. It's the consummation of his return that fulfills the day and causes the dead to rise. Intense joy for the believer, horrific terror for those who have rejected Jesus as the Savior sent by God to save them and bless them. Verse 17, Then we who are alive or who are left behind will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. That, that's that big reunion, right? Now, now ten, I think we tend to misread this verse from time to time. I, I did, you know. I used to think when I was first saved some 40 plus years ago, wow, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord, and there we shall be with him forever and ever, each on a cloud, naked with a harp. And I thought, that cannot be that fun. For all eternity. You know, you got to really like the harp, right? It's got to be more than that. No, it says that we're going to meet him in the air, not that we're going to remain in the air. We're meeting him. He's on his way somewhere. He's coming from the heavenlies to our world. We're out there, just like we see over and over and over in the Tanakh, that people would go out to greet their king and then usher him into their city. We're going to meet him in the air as he comes to our world to establish his rule and reign from earth, not from heaven, because he's been ruling there for almost 2,000 years, but he's bringing that to our world. We're going to return with him, and it's going to kick off the day of the Lord. Ten days after the blowing of the shofar is the day of atonement, also known as the day of of judgment it's the day in which god actualizes all that was promised rewards peace joy to those who believe in his son and judgment terror torment punishment and finally the lake of fire for those who rejected his offer of his son for their salvation that's what's coming that's what these days reflect All of these days will find their fullness and meaning in Jesus. They're a revelation of Jesus. What he's doing, what he has done, is doing, and will do. Paul ends with this. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Yeah. So so when we blow these shofars, it should remind you Jesus is king. The babe born in Bethlehem has become king of kings and lord of lords. And he's coming again. And when he does, I'm getting caught up. And I get to see loved ones that I lost in this life. And I'm going to weep and weep tears of joy as I hug those that were separated from me. And then he's going to wipe away all our tears and bring us into that glorious phase of his rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. So, let me close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, examine yourselves 
Check your faith. Are you really in the faith? Do you still know that Jesus the anointed is in you? Unless, of course, you have failed the test. From the day of Yom Teruah to the day of Yom Kippur is 10 days. They're called the high holy days. They are the days of awe. They're the days that remind us he's not only king of kings and lord of lords, he's the judge of the living and the dead, and he will judge us. The question is, is are we in the faith? Because if we're not, we can't even begin to comprehend the terror and torment that is coming. That's why Paul says, examine yourselves. I, 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 lived, I lived for years believing I was saved. And I wasn't. I wasn't. I had presumptions about what salvation was. And I was living in that false hope. Thank God that he broke through to me and helped me to understand what this salvation is all about, what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus, what it means to confess your sins, repent of your sins, and trust in Jesus for your salvation. And it was at that point that I did all that. And got born again. But had I perished prior to that, I would not have been saved. You think you're saved? Yeah, well, examine yourself. Examine yourself. What do the scriptures say? Have you confessed your sins? Have you repented? Have you fallen at the feet of Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior? Forgive me of my sins, cause me to be born again. I trust in you and you alone. Your death is my atonement. Your death fulfills the day of atonement. If you've not done that and you're banking on some other reason for your salvation, you are lost, you are deceived, you will not make it. So I want to encourage you to examine yourself. Check and see if you're in the faith. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting um, it says, do you, still know, or do you still not know that Jesus the anointed is in you? Unless, of course, you have failed the test. That's a wake-up call. That's a wake-up call. So Yom Kippur is here on Monday, and we'll talk more about the Day of Judgment in our Yom Kippur service. It's fascinating. All that's happening, all this, everything's going on in the nations right now. Everything that's going on in our world around us right now. All of that has the earmarks that we are fast approaching another great judgment. This one's global. This may be the big one. Maybe not, but it's bigger than it's ever been before. Believe me, it's, it's big. And these days shed light on that. They give us perspective. They give us grit so we can stand up in the last days and take a swing at the beast. I ain't hiding from the beast. I'm trying to kill the beast. I don't know what you're doing. You know, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are triumphant in him. Though he slays us, martyrdom, we get instant promotions and we come back to finish the job later. So it's all good. That's what these days represent. So be encouraged with that. Search your heart. Make sure you're in the faith. And let's have a great Yom Kippur. Shabbat Shalom.